Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. I am so glad that you are here. I, I really am. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you are taking the steps to sit under the word to sit under the word I, I, I you will hear me say this a, a bunch of times you are not coming to church to get a morality lesson a morality lesson is a benefit but it is not the reason that we're coming you are coming to church so that there can be encouragement and challenge and that ultimately your will, your pride, and your perspective will surrender to the Word. And so based on what church you grew up in, I just need you to know, when we get to heaven, there ain't going to be a Methodist section, a Baptist section. There ain't going to be, you know what I'm saying? All we're going to be like is, (laughs) we made it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But, But I do think that based on maybe the denomination or what we grew up in, we have a perspective of God, and God is, like, He's vast. He's big. He's powerful. But in order to see freedom happen in our life, we have to surrender. And so uh, our staff has been working uh, so hard. Just real quick, give our staff a hand. Think about our team. Uh, we started the month of January seeking the Lord, and so we had prayer every Wednesday night. In fact, we, we start prayer back uh, this Wednesday night, so if you want to come, come. It's, it's, it's awesome. But uh, we really sought the Lord. We fasted, then we did ladies' table talk, and now we're doing life groups. And I want you to know that all of that is intentional. Like, we're trying to start the year ready to go. We, we don't believe that you're going to take the promises and the blessings and the opportunities that God has for you passively. Like we're, we're, we're going to go somewhere. And we are ending, I've been trying to end this sermon series for like three weeks. Uh, but I, when we started this year, I really believe that God was stirring in me that he is looking for a confident church. A confident church. And when we step back and we look, it's like because there's a, there's a clash between the gospel, the word, the word of God, and culture, it, now we're coming together and we're, we're, there, it's confusion. And now we're, we're not confident in what we believe. We're not confident in who God is. We're not confident in what he will do. And it's causing us to really forfeit transformation not only in our lives but in other people's lives we got to have a confident church and 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 the reason for this sermon series is because that it is time for me you our church to have confidence in the situations that we can't control like like confidence is something that, okay, we're going to engage in. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 7 says, The man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is indeed in the Lord, is blessed. Everybody say blessed. 
you will actually be blessed. Listen, if your confidence is in the Lord, what that means is it doesn't mean that you won't experience problems, trials, uh, hang-ups, adversity. But what it means is if I begin to take the heaviness and the burden to the Lord, come on, listen to this, and I begin to trust in Him, it it's no longer so heavy that I can't manage it and there's a blessing on my life. Your adversity, pain, problems, pressure is going to go somewhere. Our goal is to trust in the Lord. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Everybody say confidence. And his children have a refuge. Now think about this. We're going to leave that verse up there a second. This is an equation verse. It means if you do this, this will happen. So here's the thing. In our society, it, kids are watching how their parents navigate adversity. They may not be old enough or, or to be able to cognitively communicate and, and to express what they're seeing, but they're, they're still processing what they're seeing. And when they have a mom and a dad that go through hard things, but they are confident in the Lord, it actually provides a place of refuge because now... The world isn't falling apart. We don't have chicken little syndrome. You know what I'm saying? We actually are not moved by egg prices or what's happening in China or what. I actually trust the Lord. Come on, somebody. And when I begin to trust the Lord, I, I can be transparent and go, this is a problem. We need to change it. I don't know how to change it. We're going to walk through it. But my confidence is in the Lord. And so he's going to give me what I need, or I'm going to change in some area, or he's going to bring uh, some sort of resource or wisdom into my life. But I want you to know that Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us, that we would never be begging for bread. And so all I need to, you to know, little child, is that we're going to be good. Well, then that's a refuge. Rather than them growing up thinking they're never good. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? One of the biggest areas of growth for a believer is learning how to surrender. Surrender. I, I got a practical lesson uh, this weekend. Uh, Friday, I went to West Monroe, and my son went with me, and he was the driver. And so um, we had lessons on driving. And so out of the seven hours there, seven hours back, 14 hours, we had about one hour. Come on. One hour where it got real. One hour where I'm trying to drive from the passenger seat. Come on, somebody. One hour where we're drifting, we're drifting, we're drifting. We're, and the car's honking, and he's like, oh. <laughs> At the end of that hour, I was like, pull off. At the end of that hour, he was like, I think I'll take a bus. <laughs> he was thinking, Dad, you're too much. I was thinking, Son, oh, Lord. The truth is, we all have problems with surrender. 
We all feel like if we could just touch it and tweak it and get there and have that conversation and to have that come to Jesus meeting and do that and do this, we could just, oh, I'm telling you, we just fix it. But sometimes you face giants that you can't fix. Sometimes you face problems and personalities and circumstances that you can't just communicate the issue and everyone, everything is resolved. See, here's the thing is over the last couple weeks, we have been zooming into the biblical account of David's calling, his battles with Goliath, his battle with Goliath, and his position as he is on the way to be king. So I want to think about that. Calling, battles, position. Let's say it again. Calling, battle, position. If we are not careful, we will watch YouTube and Instagram, and we will believe that this is how God moves us into positions of authority and influence in people's lives. All we have to do is go through calling, and instantly it's position. But that's not... There's calling, there's battles, and there is, come on, listen, position. You will battle some things in your life in order to have influence in your kid's life, in your friend's life, in your people's life. You're not going to just go from calling to position. There is a process. Come on, everybody say process. Because David trusted God, he was blessed. Time and time again, we see that he did not fear man or mayhem. David feared the Lord. We have extracted parallels from David's life to our life. And what we see is in 1 Samuel 17, David's yes was about surrender, not just about action. It's important for me to tell you the truth. And and, and this is why we see so many baby Christians in the church as a whole. is because we think that we can fast track because of giftings. You cannot fast track because of giftings. Can I just say this to everyone? You're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as gifted as you think you are. I know that you may feel that you are God's gift to humanity. But your position, influence, what God is doing in your life is directly predicated on if you can surrender and if you're going to fight battles as a man or you're going to fight battles as a servant. There's a big difference. Winning isn't the decision to fight. It's the decision to surrender. Jesus said, if you want life, you have to die. If you you want to follow me, you're going to carry a cross. If you want to go up, go down. If you want influence under my anointing then you have to sit see that's contrary to the world the world is who is the best dressed who is the best who has the best vernacular who has the most network who has who has but that's not the kingdom let me explain this today we will read about david fighting goliath and yes there has to be a decision to engage but it wasn't 
to fight just for fighting's sake. David's advancement came because he surrendered every moment to the Lord. He didn't fight for just what was right. Come on. Feel like an 80s moment coming. You gotta fight for your right. Come on. To y'all like, Pastor, that's the old me. We only listen to Chris Tomlin and Mercy Me now. Kirk Cameron is my favorite actor. <laughs> the, the reality is, we sometimes Christians engage in conflict because it's right, not because it's ordered. Hear me. I want to make sure that we get this perspective. For us, winning isn't the decision to fight. It's the decision to surrender. He fought, listen, because it was needed. Listen, needed. There are callings, battles, and positions of authority being given out all the time. And I believe that God has a calling on your life. I don't care where you started. I don't care what happened in your life. I, I need you to know, and I don't care what season you're in. You know, we talk a lot about marriage here because I'm married. That's my experience. But I didn't, get, I didn't start out getting married. I didn't come out the womb married. I was 27 when I got married, and you may be in the season where you're not married, and we're going to read a story right now where a giant was destroyed by someone who was single. Hear me. You're going to have to, as a church, hear the concept within my context and apply it to your context. Does that make sense? We have grandparents in the room. I don't have any grandparent stories yet. But hang out with me for about 20 years. They're coming. These dang kids, they were. <laughs> Come on. I have the context I have. I need you to take the concept and, and weave it into what God is saying. And so here's the deal. People were running away. David came up on a scene and the... the the army of God that was in covenant with God was running away. Running away. The reason why they were running is because they were afraid and they were confused. David stepped up and saw the responsibility. He didn't go fight Goliath just as a man fighting another man. He was in covenant with the Lord and that covenant provided covering. David was in a covenant relationship with God. I want to talk to you real quick covenant relationship we have lost what covenant relationship is in our society if you were to go back and think and you were going to revisit let's say you were raised in church if you begin to talk about your parents or their parents we could raise our hand and say you may have had grandparents or parents that were in the same church for 30 years come on how many now our society, because there is so many options that we are blessed with a lot of options, but every blessing has an unintended consequence. Does this make sense? 
And so now it's very hard for us to enter a covenant relationship in a church, in a marriage, in friendship, because once we begin to know people, we begin to see their immaturities, inconsistencies, their frustrations. When Katie and I got married, um, we made a commitment that we were going to stay married. And I realize that everybody makes that commitment, but, but I had never seen a, a, a family unit, unit stay together. That's not good or bad. I'm not judging anybody's whatever. I, there were a lot of things that even now as a 47-year-old man, I, I didn't live through that circumstance. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, there may be people who, uh, you know, thought the same thing I thought and their husband or wife did something totally, whatever. And so th this is not a prescription. It's a description. You, you hear what I'm saying? Okay. But... From my context, I was adopted from a foster home. My parents got divorced. I, I had really no men in my life. And at seven years of age, I go into the counselor's room at school and I say, I want my mom to take me to church. And I, we grew up um, a little bit more in Catholicism and we, we occasionally went and that was all I knew about church, but I was like, I want, my, I, want, I want to go to church. So the counselor calls my mom and says, will you take him to church? <laughs> and it was at church that I began to see men that weren't just men, they were heroes. That, that, that when they sat in the same place and they always said hi to me and they did, and, and, and from my perspective as a seven-year-old uh, who was broken, highly insecure, ADHD, had learning disabilities, I began to see men differently than they even saw themselves. Because in my context, hey Nick, hey Aaron, hey Jesse, you stuck to Chad. One day I'm going to have a beard as thick as Chad. I'm going to have a man beard. I just talked to Jimmy. Every time Jimmy hugs me, I think I'm going to die because he's just so, so strong. It's like, ah. Oh. I talked to Gary. I love Gary because every time he talks to me, he jumps up like this. That was my context. And so the church was the place that someone saw me and developed me and called something out in me. And I, listen, I, the Bible says that uh, those he corrects, he loves. And come on, I had about seven mamas in church. And I got a lot of love, y'all. I got a lot of love. Come, listen. But, but here's what happened. At, at, that DNA got in me, and now as a church, man, I, I want to do life groups. I want to call people out. I want to see. I want. I want. I don't want someone's past 
to, to, to stop what God's calling is on their life. And I don't care if you're 62, 71, 35, been divorced three. I, I don't Like, I believe that there is something in you that can be called out. <clears throat> but here is what I know. You're going to have to battle. You're going to have to battle some things. You're going to have to battle some pride, some, 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 why am I so easily angered? Why am I so easily frustrated? Why do I run to insecurity? Why do I run to porn? Why do I run, why do I run to these cycles? I know it's the Adamic nature of man to want to run to sin, but why is, like, I want to go here, but I'm, and you're going to have to battle. But here's what I need you to know. That battle isn't just action. That battle is what do I need to surrender so that I'm willing to act. Come on, somebody. Like, what do I need to surrender? David was in a covenant relationship with the Lord. And because he was in covenant, he went. As a pastor now, next week, don't miss next week. Man, we're so, we got so many really cool things planned. Uh, we're going to do our first ordination. You need to come. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Um, we, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put them to them. Man. It's going to be like a trial, y'all. Like, it's going to be great. Because the Bible says, don't lay your hands on a man suddenly. And so we haven't done any sudden work. So y'all need to come. It's going to be great. Um, we can't wait. But in church context, I see casual, committed, and covenant. I don't know anybody who excels at anything casually. I don't know anybody who, that, that in work, in relationship, in friendship, in whatever. Like if you're the person and you're like, you don't have nowhere to go on Friday night, but you're also the person that never texts anybody back. Take your medicine. Like casual doesn't really put you in proximity to unlock and win battles and be in positions in your life. And so I get it. The church, we can learn a lot of things from a lot of people and I read books and listen to podcasts and I have a lot of people. But you cannot really grow with a casual mentality. Because while every sermon you may not feel like is for you, every sermon is tilling up something in you. Committed. Well, most people are committed till they're not. Committed. You know, in our marriage, we decided that we would never say the word divorce. Never. That doesn't mean I didn't think it. That doesn't mean that she didn't think it. But the truth of the matter is, once we begin to say something out loud, then we get to ponder it, then it begins to fit into our heart and our soul. And so here is what I've learned. In March, we celebrate 20 years of marriage. That's good, that's good, that's good. Four kids, 20, four, ki four kids, 20 years of marriage, and a little bit of real estate. We've done all right, girl. So here's the thing. Is, guess what I have found out? I can't change her. 
I figured that out after 19 and a half years. And I know that many of you who don't really know us, you think she is the perfect one. She mostly is. But anyway. But she sees things in me, idiosyncrasies, things drop balls, things that I do. I see things in her. And here's what will happen is, our world has taught you that if there's any discomfort, choose again. When reality is there will be no perfect relationship, no perfect marriage, and it, we're going to have to work at this, and the idea to create something that is beautiful and full of legacy means she's going to have to overlook my 20%. I'm going to have to overlook her 20%, but we're together going to join enjoy 80%. It is the same way. That's why in Ephesians, God looks at the church. Paul writes about the church but uses a marriage. You're going to love our church at 80%. And you're going to see 20%. Why do they do that? What do they We need to do three worship songs. Why is it so loud in this church? Why is it like do they know it's loud? Why is it always cold every time they walk into this building? It's like, do we, do we have enough money to turn on the heat? Why do, why do they? And it's, I'm telling you, it's all going to be here. But here's the deal. We have it a little loud because we're drawing in young people. And young people want to feel, well, what about the older people? The old people are here because of responsibility. The younger people haven't learned it yet. Come on. The younger, the older people realize, listen, that young people need me. And so I have to be around them in order to get out all of my experiences. Young people are still under the idea they don't need anybody. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Everything that we do has an intention behind it. David wasn't thinking that, oh, Goliath is going to be my way. He wasn't thinking that, oh, songs are going to be sung about me. He wasn't thinking, man, you know what? This is going to be a great opportunity. He was actually surrendering his own self-interest to step into the battle because everybody else was running away. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 40. Look at this. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion and a bear and took the lamb from the flock, I went after them and struck them and delivered it out of his mouth. I just, I feel like this is like a super, like, G moment. Like this is an original OG moment. Okay, look at this. Look at this. And if he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. I mean, put your chest up a little bit. What'd you do yesterday? Killed a lion? Tried to take one of my lambs and I grabbed it by its mane and I cut it. Wow. 
What'd you do? I watched Netflix. <laughs> ben watched, finally got, finally had some rest. I was like, whoo, went outside, had some wind therapy. That was good. Come on. A bear? Ah! Listen, I don't know about you, but they don't teach lion and bear grabbing at school. I don't know where you learned that. Your servant struck them both, struck both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, Philistine should be the same. He'll be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. Look at this. And David said, the Lord would deliver me. From the, paw, the, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me, will deliver me. Listen to this, will deliver me. And I need you to know, listen, listen, your degree doesn't deliver you. Your office, your corner office, your paycheck, your car, your, your performance, your giftings, none of those things, listen, will deliver you. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. There's a couple things that I want to talk about. We're going to go back and forth on this text. But, but um, we had three points, and so we spent three Sundays talking about each point. So the, the three ways to know it's time for confidence. How do I know it's time for confidence? The first is when the assignment you've been given feels mundane. You can go back and listen to that. The second is when you hear the enemy speaking, you know it's time for confidence. And here's the third. The third, and this is what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time. How do you know it's time for confidence? When surrender is needed for freedom. You're not going to just get free because you get content. People are moving and trying to download YouTube and trying to listen to a bunch of content because they think that it is in the content that I find revelation. I need you to know content is great and we want to have quality content. We want to be biblically astute, but I need you to know that the content does not change you. My son's playing basketball. He has a few um, uh, hurdles in his game. So we watched four hours of YouTube over a couple of days. He learned incredible content, wrote it all down. Was like, Dad, changed my life. I'm like, okay, okay, boy. Went into the scrimmage, did exactly the same thing he did before he got the content. Why? Because the content has to be surrendered to and applied. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. And so you can actually be in church for 15 years and not grow any because you're so excited about learning something new, but you're not applying what it is that you're learning. And God is saying, hey, actually, I need you to surrender in order to have victory. Come on. Freedom is attractive to everybody. People don't want to be hindered and held back. The gospel message is that Jesus brings not only salvation but redemption. He is light and he is powerful and he is peace. But here's the thing. Is we're going to have to surrender to what God says. Saul 
would have never let David fight Goliath without his testimony. The testimony, listen, here's how I want to say this. Without surrender, there is no testimony. David had to surrender in the moment fear. He had to surrender the moment, oh, it's just one lamb. He had to surrender. He had to decide, I'm going to surrender to the protection of God before I engage. Here's the thing. For all of us, super important that as a believer, when you surrender, freedom happens. And then, here's the thing, you get to take that beyond the church. And you get to sit at tables and talk about what God did in your life. What he freed you from. Come on, there was a moment when I was single and I was like totally overwhelmed by some insecurities and brokenness and addiction. But then God began to start moving and I realized that as I started reading the word and washing my mind and I started moving away from some friendships and I started doing this and, and I surrendered and I surrendered and I surrendered. And this is what God did. What? If God did it in you, he can do it in me. The Bible says that he's no respecter of person. Here's what I'm saying to you. Without the lion and without the bear and without the surrender, there is no freedom. And freedom is attractive to everyone. The reason the church is somewhat irrelevant in America is because we're going to listen, but we're not going to surrender. So there isn't an outpouring of freedom which we get to take to hurt people. But nobody wants to be addicted. Nobody wants to be busted. Nobody wants to... We get to do that. Callings. God has callings for you, callings. Uh, God has favor on your life, battles that he wants you to engage and step in, positions. And I don't know if you're called to leave 10, 50, 100, or 1,000. But you are, listen, called to lead something. And your freedom determines, come on, you hear what I'm saying? Your freedom determines your position. Your testimony gives people hope. David had already been in situations where he needed God to defeat something that was bigger than him. So Saul said, you've defeated the bear and it was stronger than you. You defeated the lion and it was stronger than you. So now I'm going to let you represent all of us fighting Goliath. David knew that God would deliver him. Let me tell you another thing. We're talking about freedom. Without surrender, you'll fight in your flesh. You'll fight in your flesh. Listen, freedom in your life only comes as you trust and obey the Lord. Saul wanted, let me go back and listen to this. Will you put that verse back up there? Look at this. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you, 38. And Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped the sword over his armor and tried to go in vain. Tried to go in vain. Come on, have we ever had any believers try to go in vain? I'm gonna go have a conversation with them. I'm gonna tell you right now. They hurt us, we're going to hurt them, I mean, tell them what we're going to do. Come on. Have you ever gone in vain? 
in vain. Meaning no power, no covering, no anointing. Just flesh. Look at this, look at this. For he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't go in these. I've not tested them. So David put them off and he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Here's the concept that I want to give you. Is when we don't surrender, we will fight in the flesh. And isn't it interesting that David had a resume of victory and Saul wanted to change it? That's great. I'm so glad God moved in your life and I, I, I see that God is using you. But now I want to give you something that will help you. I want to give you this armor because it's wise and it's smart to have this armor. But here is what I want you to know. David knew that he had not tested the equipment. The armor wasn't bad. It was just untested. And for a culture that's getting a lot of its theology from YouTube, I need to come to you real quick and say, don't digest everything. In other words, what we are seeing from Saul and David is there are some things that people want to give you that you should not take. Oh, well, let me teach you about the ministry great what ministry have you been a part of for 20 30 years and what have you grown and what have you done and what, what what's what's the fruit that remains well i don't have any of that but i can i can tell you how it should be done you can't tell me See, everybody wants to put armor on you. Everybody wants to help you a little bit. I don't know why Saul wanted David's armor. Maybe he loved David and wanted to protect him, but maybe he knew the whispers were already around and David had been anointed by Samuel and maybe he knew you're probably going to be victorious so let me be a part of your victory and so I'm going to go ahead and give you something so I can say I helped the young man. Just a noble king here doing my king stuff, being kingly. There is marriage advice you might not need to take. I know you've been married six months and you've got a blog in you. But maybe you ought to not be so quick to teach people how to do marriage. And maybe you ought to learn for a season, just saying. Because you don't want to get off into battles that you hadn't been tested. Come on, listen. I know you've babysit for a living. And you're good. I mean, you know how to put that child to sleep. You've been a nanny. You are so good. And then you observe some parents. And you're like, hmm. I think I could teach you something. That armor hadn't been tested. All I'm telling you is this. David trusted in the Lord and Saul trusted in the armor. And so if we're not careful, listen, we will not step into moments of freedom because we trust in degrees, we trust in horses, we trust in chariots, we trust in how intelligent we are and how awesome we are. But I need you to know that David had to surrender before he acted. 
here's the wrap-up. Ben, y'all go ahead and come up. Is it would be contextually dishonest for me to tell you that all you have to do is get saved and the rest of your life would be on automatic pilot. But here is what we have done. We have focused more on hand raising and counting the numbers than helping people walk through spiritual transformation. The choice for you to give your life to the Lord has to be predicated by another million choices to surrender. I am not talking about losing salvation. I am talking about moving into everything that God has for you. Does that make sense? I have to surrender again. I've surrendered so much. How many of you have ever felt that way? What else do I have? Surrender again. Surrender again. Surrender again. Surrender again. Your next opportunity is right behind your surrender. Freedom is coming. When you are free, listen, other people notice. Other people see it. I guess here's what I'm really trying to say that I took a long time to say that I probably could have said in like two minutes. Without surrender, you can't win. You can't win. You can't win. You can go to church and never win. You can be in a Bible study and never win. Because winning... Jesus said is giving up and then receiving and I, I'm not looking to just grow a, a, a church I'm looking to see people step into testimony lives that are full of surrender that are full of freedom and someone get connected with somebody else and all of us running toward the kingdom of God with our calling winning battles and having positions in the kingdom First Samuel 17, 46. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. This is David talking. And I will strike you down and I will cut off your head and I will give you the dead bodies of the host of, give the dead body to the host of the Philistines. This day the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all that is in the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. In other words, I'm not fighting for myself. I'm not fighting for my rights. I am fighting because God has given me this opportunity and this responsibility. David's confidence was not in his slingshot, his workout plan, or how well he tended the sheep. We need believers that have some confidence that are going to run to the battle because they've surrendered it all. Don't walk, don't stroll, don't be casual. Don't just watch. Our culture needs a confident church. The work of God isn't done. Come on. There are still prayers to pray. There are still people to disciple. There are still communities that need to be impacted. There are still, come on, there's a mandate on our life to surrender, to be obe have obedience, to trust God, to be in confidence, to experience freedom. And some of us are so focused on the rapture that you're having trumpet dr drills up at your house 
Ready? Blow and go. Blow and go. While the whole time you have a cousin that needs to know about your story, you have a friend that needs to know about your story, and listen, I'm ready to go when the... I'm ready. Come on, anybody else don't want to take blood pressure medicine? I'm ready. Here's the thing that I want you to see. We're going to put this up there. How are you going to respond to the giants in the land? How are you going to respond to the giants in the land? Because the truth of the matter is, daily we are watching on the news and hearing stories of people who are offended, activism, uh, working to fight and confuse the Word of God. Churches are being blasted and bashed on social media because they're standing for biblical sexuality, biological gender, marriage between a man and a woman, while at the same time, the term drag queen is trending. That's where we're at. And I don't need you to go pick it somewhere and post something nasty that will be taken out of context. What I need you to do is go to your friends. Go to your home. Go and, and, and win in the positions that you've already been given. And out of that, we'll see multiplication happen. Am I winning my battles? Am I walking in freedom? goal for the Christian isn't to legislate morality. It's to see freedom and give people a choice and have them turn from their sin. How are you going to respond to the giants in the land? Can we ignore them and hope they go away? Can we live with them and hope we can all just get along? Can we run away far enough hoping they won't follow us? Can we surrender our self-interest and fight for somebody else? Can we respond in confidence? That's what I'm hoping for. A church that will not let giants take territory from God's covenant people. And so here's the deal. That may, may mean you need to learn. That mean, may mean you need to have instruction. That may need to, like, like you don't, don't have a lot of opinions about God. You had never read the Bible. That's like someone coming up and telling you how to do your job, and they've never even had training. Come on. This is where the church is, and I believe that we can do it. Will you surrender? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.